about to be a completely unreliable asshole. <laughs> Mr. Tim. <laughs> Mr. Ryan. Hello. <laughs> oh my god. My, my stomach is growling so ridiculously and I just ate. It's going non-stop and I know I, I want to make a possible? movie someday where it's like we use those sounds and record those sounds. So I think I just better <laughs> use you as a, a source for that because it's kind of hard to plan and predict, you know, but you seem pretty reliable. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 34 <laughs> of Dismembering Horror, the podcast show where Tim Aslin and Ryan McDuffie. Yes, I'm Ryan. That was Tim. Um, <laughs> we, well, we, we watch a horror film that we've been wanting to see. Maybe we haven't seen it. Probably we haven't seen it. Or that you ideally have suggested to us because that's our favorite and we talk about what worked for us, you know, what, what what did not work for us. Try to be, try to, you know, as, as, a, as a way to get, you know, you to form your own opinions on it. And then anything we found interesting or noteworthy, we figure that all covers the gamut, the spectrum we want to talk about when diarying these films. <laughs> diarying? Diarying. Oh. Anything else you want to add? <laughs> what the show is, Tim? No. It's just the best romp ever. You should listen to it. Oh, you are. Great. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and I like to clear up the beginning here. Not clear up. If there's anything from previous episodes that was just on my mind to mm -hmm. backtrack to. Okay. Do you remember when we watched Arnold? And boy, do I. <laughs> <laughs> One we don't necessarily recommend you watch. Uh, <laughs> listen to the episode, though. But Tim, do you remember at the end how we couldn't agree on and we read it different ways whether it was the crow killing the cat or the cat killing the crow yeah do you have something definitive to say about no this? Oh. i just w what you said to me was i was like oh yeah well it's because you're partial to cats and i'm partial to crows is why it's we true. read it that way just for the record i wanted to say if i could have a pet crow <laughs> i would <laughs> okay <laughs> if i could have a pet cat i would too but right. i'm really allergic to them oh yeah i mean so. What are you going to do? I, I, I just like imagining then you and I could just, you know, have our crow and cat familiars with us. I've known people who like my, my stepdad told me the story once of this guy who like a crow befriended him for about a month and would follow him everywhere to school. Whoa. He just called it bird and just like bird would be waiting out for his, you know, outside from his class. I've been thinking about this because there's all these crows outside my place. Like, I'm sure I could get one you know like to interact yeah right? like i just need to figure out what to do to entice it in the first place well watch some videos there's got to be like crowing yeah. it's probably called crowing <laughs> yeah you can become a crowist this seems like a good setup for a like a really fun shitty horror film yeah yeah crow overstaying it's well yeah like what's that what's the one with the helper monkey crow overstaying it's well <laughs> <laughs> we'll come up with a better title or logline. Um, well, how about we uh, we do the logline for no, no. Let's 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 talk about what we're doing this week. What movie? Yeah. You know what I think is funny about this movie? I'm looking at the poster and all of the little what do you call the little quotes from you know like reviews on the poster are really funny. They're like one of the great jet black comedies. I don't get it. Why is it? There's my stomach. 
You don't know the term jet black? I mean, sure, really black, like yeah. dark black, but... It's saying it's the blackest of black. It's so dumb. You just don't like it? I think it's really dumb. Uh, here's another one. Like a twisted remake of Home Alone on bath salts. The bath salts reference is a little weird. Yeah. But uh, I get it. I like I it. I get it. Um, zero to 60 speed crazy. That's not even a sentence. Right. <laughs> what is the film you're talking about? <laughs> well, what? thanks for asking, <laughs> sir. <laughs> Uh, that, was, that was Dave the Crow. <laughs> <laughs> well, this week, uh, and we're going to show you the trailer for it now, we watched, was it 2018, I believe? 17. 17? Well, released in 18, yeah. Yeah, 18, yeah, sorry. released in 18. Right. We watched the film Mom and Dad. Sha la 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 la. Can I go to a movie with Riley tonight? With Riley? Your grandparents are coming for dinner tonight, remember? Awesome. Grandpa telling his disgusting Vietnam stories. Take my advice, don't ever have kids. Everything just revolves around you, doesn't it? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> what is the rush today? It's like we're waiting for a buffet. What's going on? Is that McKenna's mom? Multiple reports are now coming in of parents murdering their own children. Listen to me, we have to get out of the house before mom and dad come home. you know gives away a lot but that was a pretty good trailer it makes me want to see it and it did make me want to see it because i was excited to see this film tim i i feel like i had yeah maybe i had seen this trailer very briefly at some point and forgot completely forgot about it and didn't know what we were getting into and then it started i was like oh fuck yeah that's right this uh, yeah cool uh i think i got a summary Ooh, okay <clears throat> hit me with it a static born like electric static radio waves <laughs> and crap a static born mania causes american parents to get an uncontrollable yet conscious urge to kill their kids we follow midlife crisising couple in suburbia and their son and daughter trying to outwit and escape them yep that's pretty much it yep great that's what i was trying to do with it that's what i took away from it yeah Man, anything pertinent to add to what this film was as far as where our heads are at and what we took away from the isness of mom and dadness? Not really. Uh, you know? Yeah. That's pretty concise. <laughs> pretty <laughs> yeah, concise. I mean, that, to be fair, there this movie is like pretty much just what it is, right? It's not. It's not going outside and being sort of trying to do a lot of things it's like very simple premise like what i've been um 
tipping my hat towards for a lot of the older films we've been watching, like The Black Cat and yeah. uh, wait with the other cat one, Cat People, both the cat films <laughs> right. we've watched from the 40s. Um, just like, yeah, make it 70 something minutes and just do it and do it hard. I love it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> do it hard. Do it hard. I mean, that's leaning into how I how yeah. I enjoyed it. But how yeah. would you rate it in our rating system? Oh, man. What would you tell Tim to do had he not seen this film? I would almost buy this. Would I buy this? No, but almost. I'd rent it for yeah. sure. I um, believe it or not, I was getting as much as I really, really loved like what was in this movie and loved the movie and enjoyed watching it. It's not a place like just comedically tonally that like I want to mm. go to often. Mm -hmm. It's a little like it's so focused in what it is that it almost feels like kind of like when you pl are playing a board game that has an un you know unfinished time and you just kind of are stuck in that world like <laughs> sure. it was great that it was short but that same kind of just like it's so specific and kind of what is it about the it's not it's not very optimistic not that you want that from horror films <laughs> or i mean maybe there's that's a bigger debate of what's what makes it you know what is yeah. embedded in good horror films but um i don't know i was leaning toward like a very excited stream it but then because of Nick Cage and Selma Blair, I'm like, no, you got to rent it. Yeah. I'm with that. Cool. Yeah. Well, should we see what else worked? Mm. Okay. What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? It worked like a charm, Smith. What worked? on your list <laughs> oh so many things Should where start to like this begin? again so my arms are open start bigger broader funnel Ye into it yeah yeah let's the big one of the big ones for me is the film film wise sort of the freneticism of it it's got this i'm trying to figure out how you describe this style it's it is it's by the guy who made crank yeah, it's like it's it has this sort of 90s extreme thing, but like it's it's 2000 whatever 18 with yeah, modern freneticism. That was a word that kept right. coming to me was that yeah, yeah frenetic because it's like and you're like flying around and the camera work is so ridiculous, frenetic and kinetic, hyperkinetic. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and initially I thought. Uh-oh, like this is cheesy or it's just sort of dated or whatever that that feel. And then you realize like it is so for a purpose. It is a part of the the tonality of yeah. this movie that the movie I think needs in order to kind of work. Um otherwise you would mostly just be stuck in well, I mean you are. You're mostly just stuck in this house. So it's sort of a one location movie it's it wasn't the like i thought that maybe going into it was be but you have the school which was a major set piece you have the whole hospital thing and then it kind of the hospital thing dude the babies oh my god yes 
<laughs> yeah, no, but no, those but are it's cutaways. Still, like to me, a... those feel like cutaways, right? Yeah, yeah Cutaways yeah. to the main, the meat of the story. No, I agree. It's still all about this house showdown. It's that's what we're yeah. there to see. And so I think, yeah, those those you you I agree. You need those cutaways in those other moments, and they're and they're great. But when you sort of focus your story around sort of this one family in one place for the most part you you do need to stylistically kind of up up the the ante and make sure yeah. that you're not just sitting there in a house and like what better way to make use of nick cage in this premise than <laughs> have the filmmaking you know spar with him right and and also sort of i guess to match the thematic thing or or the i guess the the plot thing you know it's the idea of having a signal, some sort of random signal, fry your brain and make you go crazy and turn you into, you know, essentially a, a, almost a, like a, an animal, like a rabid thing. You're you're going after a thing to try and kill it specifically. That's like that sort of rage thing. The, the filming should match that to some degree. It doesn't have to, but it works that it does because we get in sort of the heads of the mom and the dad and we feel the way they feel. And then conversely, we feel the panic and the sort of like, holy shit, what the fuck's going on from the kids. So the filming technique of that, like using that device really helps to feel like you're in the movie or you're in the world. Yeah. To me, it's, um, it gives it a immediacy that yeah. puts you in the world. And it it's does. Just, yeah. You know, I think you could, it sort of has like a, you know, when you're filming in high frame rates and it's got super fast cutting or super fast sort of like punching in stuff, it feels to me like a commercial. Like this seems like kind of the style of, of modern commercials right now. And I worried that that would get tiring and it, and it didn't. So I don't know. This is cool. someone... I mean, it's by a filmmaker who I think embodies that style. So it's <laughs> yeah. like they're who we look towards for it. I, well, and it's and it's borderline Mick G, right? <laughs> right. But babysitter, it, I certainly was thinking back yeah, to. Yeah. Uh, what? It, it's not even like the style specifically that I want to say like tickled my fancy. Like as far as a saying like the style working for me, which is what worked. But what about the style worked for me? Is it when it's just something that feels so like fresh and a voice? Mm -hmm. You know, that that in itself is what worked for me about it versus necessarily what was sure, sure what it was. I enjoyed for those reasons you say, but I just like it when we when we're watching it and it's just feels like it's something fresh and original in that sense. I just go like, oh, we're watching a movie. We're watching a movie today, Tim. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Somebody who actually thought a little bit about what they were trying to get across. Yeah, Someone who put themselves <laughs> up there or just. Yeah. You I think know. this is you, you can point to a couple of little design things that really speak to this, too. It's like you're in this suburban house and there was a point when I was like, Ryan, if I ever have coffee cup decals on my wall above the oven or the stove, <laughs> just fucking kill me. Right. And <laughs> to me, that's such a like indicative quintessential aspect of like the shittiness of suburban like 
middle uh, middling life like mediocre life that's right i mentioned i feel bad but like i mentioned the uh the the stick figure decal family decals on the back of suvs yeah so it's this sort of thing where it's like this is why i think this in a broad stroke too is is why i really really like the movie is because it is commenting so cleanly and directly on a midlife crisis sort of scenario which just ties into the suburban setting right it's just too perfect everything for is helping like the design every everything they they came up with like the beigeness of everything and really apt it, for today's it, is, it would make yeah. you fucking it would make me crazy feels good in modern because he says stuff like it's not a midlife crisis it's not a it's not a man cave you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, but it is, I thought to myself, holy fuck, this is Gen X. So we've spent the last 30 years or so, give or take, having stories about like the baby boomer generation ha- having their like midlife crisis. Like the burbs. Sure. This is finally the Gen X's who are now in their 40s or f- yeah, 40s. This is their version of that. And this movie, like, that's why I love this movie because I'm essentially a Gen Xer. I'm like right at the tail end of Gen X. And I'm like, yeah, if I had that life right now, I would feel like the fucking same way. Right. Like, I just, I'm just a little too young to have the T Bird uh, car. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I, like, my brother and, you know, his buddies. That's still your world you came from. Yeah. Yeah. I remember those dudes in high school. Well, I was in middle school and they were in high school. Like, I remember those motherfuckers. The, and the, they, they were assholes. The sort of peaked at high school trope. Yeah, but that, is particular, this character, yeah. that particular generation of like early to mid 70s born high schoolers who were like hitting high school, getting out of high school at the very, at the, in the very beginning of the 90s mm-hmm. or the late 80s. Like, I remember that whole group, like my wrestling coach who was like, I think he had been out of high school for like six years or something like that. So he was that generation. And, you know, he's the guy who was like, you have to listen to the band Rush. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> just to try to... Try so I love all of that, to that fo- feel. Yeah. It's so, to me, it was so fucking spot on and genuine. I was like, shit, that's what these guys are like now. So to like follow, <laughs> to follow that... Um, Probably. That flow, talking about generations, something I loved in it is like as deep and rich as it got into well not only just some midlife crisis aging and stuff but just the the, the cross-generational you yeah. know that the conflicts between the different generations so it was great first you know we had the the nick cage and selma blair and their kids you know selma blair is like your facebooking and that kind of you know that oh, kind of she, dialogue and she says something that's like there's a couple really like kind of touching like almost heartbreaking moments of oh, hers yeah. where she's like I just want to like connect to you. Yeah. Or like, I want you to care about me. If that's like, it was cool because that, you know, brings up whatever that key difference conflict is between that generation and Mm -hmm. kind of the one just under us if we're in the middle. And then, but what what sort of sealed the deal for me? Because if it was just those two generations, it can feel a little like it's trying to slip in a mode of say something greater or be Mm -hmm. a little too like, specific in its 
commentary. Sure, yeah. So to introduce the grandparents characters oh, with Lance yes. Hendrickson mm-hmm. and then to have him <laughs> bust in on Nicolas Cage trying to kill him, yelling at him, I fought in a war. Right. You know, there's yeah. that yeah. generational. Con- and that's what gives the Nick Cage generation that angst is like a hundred percent. I didn't fight in a war. I just <laughs> that's drove right. around with this chick in the T-bird. Yeah. Like, yeah. Sorry to say requisite, chick, but that was, requisite that was boobs. That was uh yeah, exactly. Requisite boobs. The chicken boobs reference was uh channeling the character. <laughs> in the that's, film. Right. that's right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, in its specificity, it's speaking and, and pointing at larger issues that it's like, even to me that, that the fact that you can kind of just peel this back a little bit and you can go, okay, we get it that Nick Cage and Selma Blair, they are having this sort of existential crisis. And the movie is kind of about that. Then you step back one step and you go, God, they're being so fucking like pretentious and like, arrogant within their own little worlds which is kind of part of it's this weird commentary because that's what they're complaining about about their kids well, and that's what gets us to so sort of I, understand how they hate each other yeah yeah <laughs> i just love that they like yeah there's there's layers to this basic theme of like discontent yeah well the it's great, Tim. Not only was there all about that discontent midlife crisis stuff, but just how about the, I don't know, it's like fears, but something really heavy going Sacrifice. on about um, your, your feelings of what's it's what's the word, the opposite of patricide, matricide, but killing your kids, basically. Like all that stuff, yeah. too, we haven't even touched on. I mean, it's it connects to like the idea of. The uh, I'm having a you ruined my life when I had kids that's my right. youth was over yeah and it's like we can logically apply just kind of why that's not good and you know yeah. put our hearts into it but at the but same time we also go yeah yeah no shit it's pretty I, primal that, that there is something about that singular sort of construct of of taking a thing that is let's say quote unquote taboo and sort of being like yeah of course nobody would ever like want to kill their kids and then saying what if they didn't have a choice right that setup is so satisfying to me because it's like anything it's like we all have this part of our brain i don't remember which which it is it's like the amygdala or something like that yeah (laughs) that that says what if i did this thing and then the uh, the rest of our brain goes you can't and you won't this is this is sort of playing off of that idea. Like, you know, when you're driving, sometimes you think to yourself, I could just drive off the road or I could just open the door and leap out going oh, 75 miles an hour. Right. Everybody has that. It's a it's a device that our brain does to sort of reaffirm our a mortality and b that we are alive. Right. And sort of our own instincts and all this stuff. And so horror is like the perfect realm for playing with that part of our brain and like commenting on it and this is doing that so fucking well i just it like it excites me when you have a premise that lead like really lays upon this primal piece of us and then sort of twists it up and fucks around and says what if why is taboo is because there's an actual catharsis behind (laughs) the actions that's right like oh god and i loved how it's how it's set up of like 
just these, I mean, little moments of, what is it going to say? The, um, oh yeah, yeah. Talking about like, you're talking about like really feeling for these parents going through their midlife crisis, but now talking about kind of like the undercurrent that was there in that first third of like knowing what the premise was. And then just sort of getting like the moment where we just saw in the trailer of like Nick Cage when he picks up his son and throws him on the couch to tickle him. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And it like does this sort of the, <laughs> the, the, the kinetic cut into his fingers, like going yeah. like about to tickle him. <laughs> but it's just there was something really like, I, I don't know. It's like because there, there is a kind of when you're a kid experience that from the kid angle there's like is already a manic intensity of like an unpredictableness mm-hmm. of like your parents sort of playing monster playing right. they're going to hurt you so i love that yeah. they put that into this just as like a oh it's just we are just you know a nat swing away from like that yeah <laughs> well and and in real life we see these anecdotes of times when when humans snap and like that's one of the things I really love about, uh, well, about true crime and about sort of horror and and telling like the type of horror stories that I want to tell. They all live for the most part in reality. Like they're all things that could technically happen. Like like life is way more fucked up in like real life. The things that real people do to each other is way fucked up. And I think sometimes we forget that, like, like people drown their kids in bathtubs. That that's a fucking thing that happens. Now they're mentally ill, so f- be that as it may. But like, when you put that kind of stuff into a horror film, you're you're speaking to a broader, you know, thematic thing. Even though, like, just to, I, I mean, I think that's it's exciting to me for some reason. Like that part, what's exciting and scary about it is. I don't think we can just say it's just because they're mentally ill. No, no. You know, like there's like that's or I'm saying it's it's that's absolutely true. But like, what is that actually? You know, they are people on a spectrum. Sure. And I, I guess the point I'm making is like we who would not do that, who aren't ill in that sense, like to just sort of think about it as like there is a clear delineation of those are the mentally ill. Mm, right, right. Those are that, that, that's that person. I am not, th- those are not even, you know, people I consider being people. Sure. Yet, I think what is, what points our buttons and pulls at or whatever, why it's scary is because people are a spectrum. Yeah. And, well, and like you said, we're all, and I think this is somewhat true, like we're all a hair's breadth away <laughs> from acting on these impulses we exist in that same spectrum is what i was trying to say that's absolutely we aren't at all on that end but we exist in it yeah and so knowing that is scary in and of itself so when we see a movie like this and we kind of get a little bit of joy maybe that's why horror is so effective it's like you're getting a little bit of joy Mm -hmm. out of you know living kind of vicariously through these these actions again the catharsis so this is doing that really really well well it was great not just sort of their current situation as far as, you know, what made me feel for the parents in a way. I mean, yeah, it was seeing them not get along and just like how mm-hmm. tragic that was to, um, you know, fake the whole we're mom and dad thing. Oh, my God. The mom going through her stuff <laughs> and like not getting the interview job. Yeah. But it was this was this was great and unique to this style and something I appreciated. And it was those um, flashbacks 
where it was like you would be in the middle of the action like he would be about to like take another swing at his son or whatever (laughs) and like run you know try to grab him and then it would just cut back to like him in his youth or whatever i fucking love that. yeah and then what was so fun about that too is not just building the sympathy for them in a way you know and you know as cartoonish as it was but um knowing that it was going to cut back into the middle of the mayhem it's like knowing that the dunk tank's gonna let go at any yeah. given point yeah you don't know which softball throw is gonna be well and um, i it, it's such a it's such an effective device in this type of movie too because you're you're going so fucking fast like you're a freight train you do actually need a break yeah you know and so they're really smart about kind of being like we're pushing it but like Okay, now it's time for a quick a quick respite from right. from this insanity. You need to surface above the rainstorm clouds yeah, every yeah. once in a while. It's so good. Um, I like um, little things like the the there there are callbacks that are not so. And I, I yes, yeah, so let's talk about some little touches. Yeah, so this this existed in Us too, but the movie Us. But I, I'm realizing in, in the movies that we're watching that are effective, the callbacks can't be the solves. The, the, the most effective version of callbacks happen kind of just in the meat and potatoes of the movie. They're not... Um, right. Slipping on the toy truck just makes slows him down a little that's bit right. versus like saves the day. That's right. And I think that use of the callback is much, much more... I'm realizing this as I see it more. I'm going, oh, fuck, that's... That's a better version than the callback of the thing that sort of like saves the day in the end. Right. It's like the setup and the callback are kind of on par Mm -hmm. in their sort of, you know, like where they live. Yeah. 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 How how obtrusive they are, how slipped in they are. Yeah. So, yeah. So the the little the truck one's kind of the most blatant one where the kid leaves the truck, which is sort of, you know, it's coming. You know it's coming back around. It's like the oldest cliche ever, right? The dad stepping on the kid's right. toy. But they they kind of they kind of are able to skirt the cliche by not having him the first time like step on the toy and go, Oh god damn it. That was my Nick Cage. Mm-hmm. Um God damn it. <laughs> you know, that that cliche of of stepping on the toy and being mad about it is so fucking old. We've seen it a million times. So to kind of do a different version of the cliche is really pleasing and to have it be a callback. It's sort is of really a way pleasing. of filmically saying, okay, we know this is a cliche, but don't you want to see it happen? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it be exactly. fun? Yeah. Here's how we're going to do it. It's very, uh, I feel like we're talking about the babysitter again. I mean, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, other, can, uh, some, some little things yeah. I like, little moments, touches. Um, when I think it was Selma Blair or whatever kind of, you know, reacts at him after they've even transformed for like why he has a gun and he goes, you never know if some psycho is going to come in here and get us as they're like trying to kill their kids. <laughs> that was pretty great. Um, yeah, and then she like quotes statistics. She's like, you know, one in five gun deaths are caused within the family. Yeah. Oh, that was actually fun. I, I, I liked that as a touch. It built the uh, son character who was just felt like a a no character but to see oh, him yeah. playing with the gun yeah and just that all of a sudden filled him in for me as a character it was fun um in those flashbacks i loved um i think it was after she was uh got like rejected from that job of that guy who's like 
mm-hmm. you know, apparently told her she's always welcome back and was kind of being weird with her. Um, but there's that moment afterwards when she's like crying with her sunglasses on. I think that was just such a nice touch of just everything we've talked about yep. is this kind of, you know, embedded in that kind of moment of crying with your suburban housewife sunglasses mm-hmm. on. You know? <laughs> That's why you have them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> sunglasses always look weird to me now when I see people I mean I like I don't know people driving cars look weird to me so I don't know <laughs> but um slow-mo Nick Cage exploding backwards it's like you have the build-up of them film it was just it was so great in so many ways because it like you knew there was going to be a an explosion literally metaphorically of them putting the gas in into the basement <laughs> oh yeah and that it was just they, like they were so stoked on it like oh we're going to get them that it just made it that much more fun and then just to like this was like a good use of slow-mo versus like the the marvel use of it or whatever where it felt like yeah, we want to see in as much detail as possible the force of the explosion hitting Cage's face flaps, yeah. you know? Yep. And just his reaction to that was so satisfying. I was trying to think, how how do you do that? You just get a high-powered fan? I think so, yeah. yeah. And you blow it at him, and you're at like two, 240 frames per second or something yeah, like that? Yeah, I mean, like you a, can is do... Is it the Phantom? We've, I've done something like where you use a... um like a blood cannon or a guts cannon, but oh, just sure. shoot air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just, poof, That makes know. sense. That's cool. I like that effect a lot too. Those were the kind of like, yes, some specific moments I had. Okay, known. so I think one of the best moments, singularly best moments of this entire film is that cutaway to the hospital. Oh my God. I mean, that's just not even a moment, but I just consider that like, as I love that they quote unquote went there right. with this film. Well, but I think that this film is so fucking smart about where it decides to go. Yeah. Like even with what you were just saying with the kid grabbing the gun, like we have a visceral reaction to that. We were like, no, 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 no it's bad. It's going to end badly. Don't yeah. do it. Don't do it. We all know where this goes. Well, and that I think they are very smart about playing with us on those levels. Because that image of the all the men standing outside of the, what do you call that? The incubator? <laughs> yeah. All the newborn babies. Yeah, the newborn babies. Behind the glass. Oh, my God. Just like on a... Because on the most <gasps> simple level, when we've seen that in the past, the versions of that, there's basically two versions of that that we've seen in life, which is the, the doting happy father going holy shit there's my kid i'm so in love and it's changing me as a man right to see this the the miracle of life Mm -hmm. and the other version of holy shit this is my life now i just lost my life yeah what am i what am i gonna do and then this version, which is like the undertone of both of those things of like, if I could, I'd go back to the way I was. I want to kill this little baby, which is like the most upsetting thought ever. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I, I say like I loved it because it went there and which which I do. But it's also like if this wasn't in the movie, I would have put that as something that didn't work is not exploring just these oh. really like um but like pretty apparent, obvious, like, well, yeah, but what if like the things that you, you just want to touch on, if this is the world, mm-hmm. you want to touch on details of what that would look like. Yeah. So like I loved 
that for that, like my question, well, what about someone just giving birth? What about, you know, where all the babies are? (laughs) And it's like, you know, it didn't have to go to a grade school, but being at a high school too. Yeah. I mean, just the, it's so good about setting the moment that, that it's a, it's, it seems like a throwaway line in the very beginning of like, oh, my, you know, as my sister, you know, you, you, we have to go visit my sister because she's, she's due. Yeah. Whatever the fuck the line was. Um, that throw, seemingly throwaway line, once we sort of establish what's happening, we immediately, like, f- we've forgotten about the sister. And then she gets back in the car and, like, calls her sister. And you go, oh, fuck. <laughs> right. The hospital. This is the world we're in now, and that woman's about to have a bit. Like, we see the whole scene about to happen before it's even happened. We so, go, oh, no. So are they going to go there? Well, that's... And they fucking go there. Like, watching them hand that baby over to the, to the sister was so intense t- <laughs> to me. Yeah. Where you go, I can't fucking believe we're going to do this right now, but what else are we going to do? There was a part of me that a couple times thought... Before, you know, I'd say before we had really firmly locked into the fact that nobody is safe from this, uh, whatever you call it, affliction. I call it mania. Yeah. Yeah. Affliction's good. Yeah. Before you've really firmly sat that down or set that down, whatever the fucking, uh, there were parts where I go, oh, is part of this story going to be that we see people resisting it? And, and potentially winning over the the urge. And the answer was no. They can't. It's but to, helpless. Right. But to have that thought and that question, I thought, was exciting, too. Because it's sort of like it still leaves in these early scenarios it, that having that question leaves a little bit of hope. Well, which it, then just gets fucking well, shattered. It really makes it even more. Wow, it made fuck. me um, put myself in the shoes of the mom a lot because because your first instinct in that situation is an illogical one it's just um she knows she has a thing that's going to make her kill kids or that she most likely does mm-hmm. yet her instinct is to go be close to my kids right, and protect right. them i like that caveat too of of them ex- like they have like a scientist or somebody on the news oh, I was going to say, it. I really loved that of um, it was like they were just interviewing a parent who was just very matter of factly talking about, oh, it feels great. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then somebody comes on and it's like you, you know, this is your primal instinct, which is to go be close to your kids. Normally, it's to protect them. And that switch has been flipped. Right. So you still want to be close to them, but you want to kill them. Well, what was so smart? I mean... What was so cool is this allowed them to do like zombies you could talk to, like or it's it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of like the brain gremlin and gremlins too, right? Where you know he said, "Well, what is the point? Why do you do it?" And the brain gremlin has like you know a response to it. it was like, "Well, why? Because we're civilized, you know." <laughs> um, but uh, but it's yeah, it was a neat way to do zombies, but not of like yeah, which and it looked that way too, even visually with the um. I loved all the parents like waiting outside the gate of the school. That was a great scene where it's just like, you yeah, know, it, it's you, about to burst. And you, but you don't really know what the fuck's going on. And so the imagery is right. so, there's so many images in this that are subverted, subverted, 
right? The image of cops showing up to a, to a school and parents desperately coming to try and be like get their kids out of there is very evocative, right? With school shootings and, or and whatever, them, right? Yeah. And so you, before you know that they're there to kill them, you're going, oh, fuck, like, act, you know, like, I think my reaction was this is somehow an active shooter thing or whatever, like, it, not, not that that's yeah, actually no, what's going to happen. Yeah, all being corralled the, and yeah, let out. That's so the an imagery. So that by itself, even though we know we're under this other premise, the imagery of that is really evocative and really fucking like gets, I think, gets underneath your... your you know, whatever, ire or whatever, because it makes you, you, we've seen that and it has a, a sickening effect on you. And then to put it in this world where it's like, yeah, it's, we're flipping that by having the parents want to kill the kids mm -hmm. is it every time you get one of those quote unquote, like, are we going too far? It works because of essentially the premise of this movie. So, Joe, uh, I was listening to a podcast called um, Last Podcast on the Left, and they interviewed Joe Bob Briggs. And they were talking about now modern horror, like how do you push the limit, right? Like how what what at this point can be taboo? Like what do we have to do? Because that's what the old exploitation films, the things that he really loved in the past and that he would show on his show. And does now. I just watched well, now the, new the one last Shutter, yeah. the other night. I thought I almost watched it, but I didn't. Um, but he makes this sort of same point. He's like, you got to fucking, we're going to have to go to some pretty fucking crazy places to to do or to evoke the same level of like shock and exploitation that those movies of the 70s and early 80s did. And I was thinking, fuck, what will that be? And I'm, this is pretty fucking good man like this is doing it the right way yeah to do things like i mean the whole movie but yeah as we said to do things like the babies well yeah. um i mean another a great what like a went there moment for me and this is too i just wanted to add these like you know are usually known as pursuing like the promise of the premise mm -hmm. are these moments but i came up with my own kind of moniker that's more accurate for me that i like and keeps up with the alliteration so promise of the premise, AKA pursuing potent possibilities <laughs> and a potent possibility they pursued for me, not only the baby's thing, but when, um, so, so if the, the, the main girth of the story is the fracas between the kids and the parents, mm -hmm. that's an extended by default thing, like a home alone sequence. So it was sure. cool with the boyfriend character who we both liked. Oh yeah. They were able to work in a scene that I think was a good potent possibility pursued of, uh, yeah, but how horrifying would it be just to sort of have a sudden, like to the death fight with one of your parents, like not the sort of prolonged home alone one, like the, the main characters go through, but like the son getting home and the dad's just trying to kill him. And then he like accidentally stabs his dad, you know, is fighting him and gets a gash on him. And Ugh. it's just like, that was intense, you know, in a way that they couldn't do with the, the more lighter fare, you know, main, yeah. main arc. Yeah. That scene is pretty fucking intense. Yeah. Cause it was, it's speaking to a bunch of deeper things too. Yeah. Even more so than the, the babies, you just kind of have to go like, laughing shaking your head over you know how how extreme it is i here's but what like, here's what I, I i 
think I'm kind of reiterating the same point, but maybe this is the, a, a clear way of saying it. Almost every scene in this movie is showing us a thing that we, we know is wrong and forcing the character to, to actually act out the thing that we've all thought about doing but would never do. So like this kid who's gotten his ass kicked by his alcoholic father, I'm sure at times has thought I'd like to fucking kill my dad, but he doesn't, right? In real life, he would never do that because it's his dad. He does love him. We see that in the torment he's that's, going through. That's exactly right. So to have to to put a character in a position to act out the thing that they have once or twice maybe fantasize about but no they would never do and make them do it is really fucked up and really like intense and brilliant for this movie mm -hmm. because exactly what you're saying it's not that he in, in like in his case in particular he's not enjoying this but see he has to do it and you get to see the layers of everything that it means to have to do that guilt and shame and like despair and heartbreak and all these things like that for for the movie on the surface for this movie mom and dad with nick cage and selma blair to have that layered of a moment i think is a testament to like how good the movie is a and how easily we could over overlook a movie like this potentially and never even watch it because we'd be like oh that looks like a goofy nick cage movie because mm -hmm. he's in a lot of them but fuck, go see this movie. Yeah, because <laughs> it's it's got mo way more layers than than just a topical. It's, it's like, nice after romp. sort of seeing him go through um, the 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 Lord of War Sorcerer's Apprentice era <laughs> to see him maybe have a bit of a resurgence with Mandy in this kind of film. And I I, I did like yeah. Bad Lieutenant though. That was good. Oh my god. I don't think I watched it. Um, so that's so funny. Yeah, he had a real string of like one one word title movies. Next, unknown. You know, fucking. I'm sure there's like Here's twenty my, of them. You want to hear a couple Nick Cage anecdotes? Like second, sure, third hand. <laughs> one. Uh, so there's remember the Venice Beach Freak Show? That's it's no longer there, but it was like a staple on Venice Beach for like you know thirty years or whatever. They had like. You know, like lots of skeletons of two-headed animals. And they oh had my God. <laughs> a couple of, uh, they had some real two-headed animal, or, you know, some living two-headed animals there, too. And, what? um Yeah, you know, like, I have no like idea reptiles that are born oh, cool. with, sure. yeah, conjoined or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, where they have two heads. So apparently, like, Nick Cage, this was the guy who was, like, out front hawking people with this two-headed lizard was saying was like yeah nick cage once you know i i helped broker a deal or something where he uh he bought like a two-headed snake for like like five hundred thousand dollars or something <laughs> just imagine nick cage being oh my it, two, my two-headed snake isn't he isn't nick cage notorious for is it him who's notorious for buying like crazy stuff really absurd things like a dinosaur well, head if this anecdote tells you anything yes <laughs> it is and then the the other one real quick is i had some friends um this was not not our mutual friend Mikey, but another friend who worked at uh, the W Hotel mm -hmm. here in Hollywood. And Nick Cage was staying there once, and um, my friend who was working there said that his coworker was waiting on Nick Cage, 
and like you know would be going up to his room to deliver things he said he was a great guy super friendly but that everything he did or everything the way he spoke is he repeated every word twice so he said hello hello come in come in thank you thank you you're you're welcome you're welcome yeah yeah. oh my god that's so funny (laughs) that that was kind of his his cadence style we this this is so tangential but it reminds me of um i worked in a italian restaurant a, a sort of wannabe mafioso in in rochester new york um the rochester mob was pretty lame but they thought they were cool and uh so I worked in this Italian restaurant and it was the type of place that had like, everybody had a fucking nickname, mm-hmm. like, like Fat Joe and, you know, whatever. And Johnny Salami. Yeah, exactly. There was a guy at the bar who was called, uh, it was uh, Tommy, two, Tommy Two Times. <laughs> I think it was Tommy. Maybe it was Jimmy Two Times. I don't remember. Jimmy but- Two Times. And the reason he was called whatever two times, Tommy two times, Jimmy two times, was because he repeated the last word of every sentence. There you go. So he'd be sitting there, he'd be like, hey, hey, how's it going, going? (laughs) (laughs) Can I get a, can I get a club soda, soda? We should have maybe saved this for things of note. I just, I just got (laughs) excited (laughs) about Nick Cage. Uh, Anyway, so what else? I love Selma Blair. Yeah, Lance Hendrickson Um, making an appearance, you know. That cult staple is so fucking good. Um, and it was such a, it was so exciting because I had kind of forgotten about them until that moment. Yeah, they did that really. I mean, the beginning in the trailer. Oh, did you have to stay in because grandparents are coming to visit? Totally forgot. Right. Oh, it's so good. Just because like the, the it's so man, they're throwing so much stuff at you thro- so yeah. fast that yeah. you're like picking up on the ex. The exposition is getting in the best way that exposition works when it's working. It's embedded versus mm-hmm. like told. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else you that's got? That's pretty much all that I have. I mean, we kind of already mentioned it, but I love that. Um, just it was fun to see something embrace the scale of it. Like this is just showing all the news. Like this is happening everywhere. Like versus just sort of a story of, you know, this is isolated to just these parents, just this, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I don't know. It's I feel like that's always... A thing to address in horror movies is the police involved, is the world involved, is the news involved? You know, which of those directions do you go? Yeah. So for this, uh, the bombacity of this film, I just appreciated mm-hmm. them going that direction. The only other thing I have really is um, the the sort of count pointer, count, counterpoint, point, counterpoint. That's what I'm trying to say. The point, counterpoint of Selma Blair and Nick Cage's relationship in the beginning, you know, has that kind of icy, we're bored, mm-hmm. you know, the love is lost. He wants to go fucking, you know, he's probably like her friend says something about he's probably fucking somebody else, you know, in the T-Bird again, you know, and that that's a history thing. Like she doesn't want to think about what happened in the T-Bird, all of that. To later in the film when they are, they are together. I'm so glad you said this. This was the other they thing I had. Are They're like, a team again. They are such a good team and they're like enjoying each other. It's and so there's like a reverence. Yeah. It's stark and depressing <laughs> where it's like the whole film to see them like just not be loving each other. Yeah. And then just to see, it's like you get them as a couple as soon as they start, they yeah. bond over yeah. killing their kids. <laughs> yeah. And the saws all. The what? The saws all. 
the, the, the reciprocating oh. saw. Yeah, 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 and, yeah, yeah. And listening to Nick Cage saws say all. saws all over and over again. Saws all. Saws all is so fucking good. I love that she, he's like, that's not going to fucking work. And she, and she's like, just watch me. And she fucking lays into the door with it. And if, it doesn't work at first, but she gets it. It's yeah. So, I fucking, it's good, man. It's just good. Yeah. Seeing them bond. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it just messes with you, the viewer, in the best of horror movie ways because of what they're bonding over. And I Yeah. And of that. course, the cutaway, the flashback cutaway of him building the pool table. Did we get flashbacks of her younger? Mm, I don't remember no. Well, I mean, that one, I guess. We got her backstory filled in, but yeah. but when she was younger, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Um, so, yeah, the whole, the whole pause the movie and go back to his midlife crisis sort of moment and then like having it out and him sledgehammering the pool table and all that <laughs> right. is great. That was and concentric around him. And and yeah. and really did fill out like who they are, where they are, why they feel the way they do mm-hmm. in sort of, you know, in a reflection of what got them to where they are yeah. prior to them being afflicted. Let's get into our next section. Yeah. Let's do it. What did not work? It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? (laughs) What did not work for us? What did not work for Ryan or Tim? Not the film. We aren't, we aren't, we aren't harping on anyone here. (laughs) These are just our reactions. I didn't like the little kid, the boy, that much. There were times when I was just like, mm, "Yeah, but I liked kid. that about it because then it plays with your little like." That's oh, true. I want to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't look at it that way. You're right. You I know, wanted to kill him. There you go. Yeah. Okay, cool. Good job, casting department. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like the daughter that much, but at a certain point, there's a shot of her. And I don't remember the context of it, but I just remember going, "Holy shit." She looks exactly like a combination of Nick Cage and Selma Blair. Good casting. Holy fuck. Yeah. Because she has like Selma Blair's eyes, mm-hmm. but she's got kind of a rounder. I'm already forgetting what she looks hot, like. Like big cheeked face that's more Nick Cage, current <laughs> Nick Cage. So I was like, oh, fuck. I was Good rooting job, for guys. them just to like, yeah. I think I wanted to see the sort of arrogance of the parents get put in place. And, it did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I... The only thing, and we we saw it twice because we had to rewind it for some reason. Like as much as I loved opening, and appreciate, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, that that opening, like it was maybe it was like too much, too fast of whatever this specific style is. Which I said I I'd still prefer something trying a style and it not totally working for me than trying nothing at all. So it's like I give it that. This could be another like what worked and what didn't work for mm-hmm. me. But for what didn't work, there was just something about that opening scene where the editing didn't quite nail it. It's so it was I have an opinion of what it is. Yeah, so and so this is the stranger mom we never see again parking the car with her kid on it in the train tracks and walking away. And it's just kind of like setting up the musical. The intro with the then the titles was stellar. That was great. Oh, you like that? We didn't part. mention that. Yeah. I uh, loved that. I thought you were talking montage. about that. Oh, okay, you like that. Yeah, that, it, that... it comes up with the mom and dad on the suburban sig and then has all these like really fun. No, I'm talking about just that opening moment felt like a just kind of a weird. Yeah. It didn't bring me in. It, 
I mean, maybe it's true to the film. It brings you into the world by slapping you in the face, but because it's so new and different, again, I commend it for that. It didn't really, it didn't really like put me in the pool. This was a movie that would have been helpful to like Mm -hmm. take the steps versus jumping in. I think there's a weird cut in it. I think that they cut to, they, I think the attempt was to cut to be like, ooh, it's shocking, but it, feels the timing feels off yeah exactly. I, like literally her walking away from the car cuts at the wrong moment for me and i don't know why That's i don't ex- know if it should have been earlier or if it should have been later but that singular cut both times we watched it i was like no right okay so, so you're i agree it wasn't with you. just me no no i think you're right i don't know what like i don't know what it is but about it, but it didn't work. Isolated that was, and mm-hmm. then that it was at the way beginning of the film. It just kind yeah. of made it was just kind of a weird. So I me. feel slightly differently about the opening credit sequence because it it is too nineteen. No, it's too two thousand and three. It's like remember the Tony Scott film Domino. Yeah, my name is Domino Harvey. Dom- Domino Harvey. That was the trailer. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. a bounty hunter, bounty hunter, bounty hunter. <laughs> oh God, you're right. Whoa. So there's this like thing that I just it's two of another era that I am like, why are we? Why are this, we doing that? No, again? it it felt to me like it was the kind of elevated, uh, getting being elevated above the homage. It is, you know, just kind of like. Okay. I really dug that uh, opening credit sequence, actually. Fine. You're wrong, Tim. Okay. Well, it won't be the first time. I'm wrong. You're wrong, Ryan. Um, so let's see. What else didn't work? Um, I mean, the only thing for me was this kind of... Um, that What I mentioned at the beginning, but I can elaborate on, was this kind of like the, the limited... So, so, I mean, the story of the film, it was a large scope. But tonally, it's a small, specific scope. Totally. And that's something you're either just like, I was so on board with it watching it this once and I loved it and want to, you know, could see recommending it and watching it again. But again, it's just not like a place that I want to take a bath in or shower Mm -hmm. in. Mm -hmm. Not not even like, you know, often it's not like a color I want to put up anywhere for me. (laughs) Like, I don't know. So, so it was perfect for watching in the movie was short and this, the tone of it kind of, it was interesting too. Like what didn't work for me is that same way. It's like, I'm trying to describe what it is too tonally where like, that's why I showed you the trailer for the movie parents before we Mm -hmm. recorded this. Mm -hmm. It felt like an update on that. It kind of (laughs) felt like the kind of eighties, nineties. Like I love the movie society. I have Brian. Um, and then the first troll movie, not troll Two. Oh yeah. But the first troll, there's this really specific sensibility. Me and my friend Ramsey, we like, we always go for looking for these kinds of films of like these early nineties, late eighties, kind of like, like film. I don't know. Sonny Bono is in that. Yeah. It is so fucking bad. Oh, it's great though. It's great. Do you remember the whole musical sequence where they sing? vaguely vaguely we should we should do that for our podcast i want to recommend (laughs) i want to put that in our hat tim oh no one um but what sorry why i'm mentioning it all that though is like i don't don't know there's something about that as a way you know to help describe what this movie is and what it's doing and it's just like i think the movie parents when i watched it, it gave me that same kind of like trapped in a pessimistic outlook 
like world that I just wasn't okay. I I didn't like the, I didn't like crazy. About you need being more there. optimism in your life. Yeah, but it's like we're watching these horror movies that are so bleak. Like, how is The Last House on the Left more optimistic than, you know? Because they fucking kill the bad guys. It's, so it, I guess, but it was like a more generic tone, that one. So it was something just about, like, I don't know. It's it's weird. I don't know. You probably get it in my yeah. rambling, but it's like a conflicted thing that I have where I appreciate it and I love it. But at the same time, it's just like... Maybe this is not totally for me, which is why yeah. what did not work for us. I have a couple very there. It's a little bit in the same vein as the the opening edit that you were mentioning. Um, there's some edit slash the way things were shot that I just remember feeling like it didn't feel right, which is a weird you know, how do you even explain yeah. that? You can like tip your hat for that. They go for it. I'm yeah. Sure so one of them. Is during the um, well, actually, both of there's two specific ones during the school scene when when the the riot really starts. The, the parents have finally sort of jumped over the fence and everybody's running away. Actually, it's right before that. The first kill of that sequence where the kid breaks away from the line and like gets to his mom and she pulls him over and there's a fight to pull him over the fence and the parents win. Yeah, get him over the fence. And then the mom, I think it's the mom, she takes out a, her car key and she keys him. I'm glad you mentioned that movie because I, uh, that moment, because I was sad that it wasn't mentioned earlier. I liked it. I like the moment as a concept. I didn't like the execution. There was something about it that felt like it didn't land. And I think. It was very inserty, but. It was, right. You don't, first of all, you, you, the, the kill itself is off screen. What you all you really see is a, a POV shot of the kid or maybe just off to the side of the kid looking up at the mother and her hand going down and coming back up and blood kind of being on the key. It's really quick. I mean, it's got to be like 12 frames or something like that. It didn't have the to me, the appropriate sort of cut back to everybody going, holy shit, like I think in a moment like that, when it's the first major sort of like what the fuck moment, it's important or effective often when you get kind of a pause where you have this freneticism, right? This that You've had the sequence of them fighting over the kid and everything. It's a, that tone of the movie is really in your face. The moment she's, she pops him with the key, I think the movie would have been better or the moment would have been better to pa kind of pause the movie where everybody just freezes because I think we, the audience need to go, Holy fuck. Even just for a fucking breath. Yeah. And I, it yeah. didn't have that. It just was like kaboom. And everybody went, ah, and they, everybody's actually, just running all of a sudden. I know what you're talking about, but I actually appreciated it for those reasons okay. that it didn't work for you where it was like, we aren't giving you a breath because sure. your parents are already like, coming over the yeah, fence that's and it fair. was just kind of just a it felt like a like what you said the wtf oh there it is there's the gut punch right it just happened it's yeah. going down like yeah so I, I think it's just a taste thing yeah 
Um, and then subsequently, when they're running across the football field, there's a couple oh shots of that. parents sort of jumping and 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 like tackling, tackling on the football field. Yeah, that felt uh, just felt a little wonky. I don't know if it was just the angle that they chose or or it's definitely all I'm sure a rush shoot. Yeah, know, probably. They, yeah, like anything they wanted more. You time. know, and it's a stunt in and of itself, so it depends on if the um, you know, the actors that they're using are. are stunt people yeah. or if they're or actors trying to do a stunt that makes a difference in how it feels yeah um but that's kind of it which are but so small things you know very small things i i do have to say i'm sorry ryan but we have to bring back an old segment <laughs> called uh Cobweb continuity. Tim's cobweb continuity. <laughs> He's gonna call out things that don't matter at all. Tim's cobweb continuity. Maybe you've seen it, whether it's big or small. He notices things that you may have not. They bug him, whether they should have or not. He hates it. Why is it called cobweb? Because in the first episode we did the babysitter, there's some cobweb that moved on someone's hair. Tim's cobweb continuity. Please isolate that and play it every time I do this. <laughs> okay. There's a moment when the kid, the son, is eating a rocket pop and Nick Cage is talking about, like, scolding him or whatever, post-scold for, uh, doing something to the t-bird i don't even remember what the fuck it was the rocket pop this is a very simple solve don't use a rocket pop that has multi colors because if the kid finishes part of the rocket pop in one take and then you do another take and you have to replace the rocket pop and there's red blue and yellow or red blue and white but in one take it's just all white and the other take it's red and blue and then one take it's just red because he's finished more of it it's annoying. I noticed that and I'm like, oh God, Tim's noticing it. Tim's <laughs> noticing it. It's like it's like when people are smoking cigarettes and in one take the cigarette is down to the butt it's and the like other. There's it's just a like, sliver fuck, of the guys. same color. It was like the sliver of white at the top versus a little bit more of the chunk white third. Uh, no, it's it enough. Between. It was enough. Get a fucking fake one. Have him lick a fake one. Who gives a shit? You don't even have to lick it. Yeah. Continuity people! Maybe Come on! It, but maybe it have Where's the script real. supervisor? <laughs> it was probably an editing choice they made. You know, it's like, no one's going to care that much. Fuck. Drove me completely insane for about 30 seconds. Yeah. All right, the end. <laughs> that was Tim's Cop Continuity. We hope you enjoyed the portion of the show. <laughs> it oh. didn't really matter all that much, unless you're a crazy person like Tim. But that's okay, because we're all crazy. Make sure that you pay attention on set to continuity the best you can, but in the end, always edit for performance. <laughs> Fine. Uh, should we do our, one of our regular sections again? That's Sure, let's up. get into it. That would be, uh, well, we did our, oh, things of note. We actually do have a, a big section left. Yeah. Great. <laughs> things of note. This should be interesting. I have a thing of note that is unrelated to this movie, but is related to Troll. Um, the main character's name is Harry, Harry Potter. Potter. <laughs> yeah, that's the that Potter just, family. And the dad's Harry Potter Sr. So it's right. Harry Potter, Harry Potter Sr. my mind. 
we'll talk about that more when we review uh, Troll. But for Ugh. this film, remember when we were watching it and like you recognize the teacher and you're like, oh, yeah, that guy. He's kind of like the dark skinned, light eyed guy. Wait, I feel like I just I watched Pulp Fiction yesterday. Is it the guy? Is it is it the dude in the Zed's dead sequence? I don't not Zed, but the other one, I the, don't think the shop so. owner, because I thought I was watching that. and I was like, wait, is that that guy? Well, you looked it up. I had an actual like that moment confirmed that moment. Oh, really? Note, which was like then that. That next day, like that next morning, I was looking at um, Kevin Smith is shooting uh, his new J.M. Silent Bob movie right now. Oh, God. And um, he posted a picture of that actor. And I'm like, oh, my what? God, that's who we were just wondering who he was. His name is Joseph Reitman. So right after we were wondering who that actor was, uh, I saw I saw him the next day on Kevin Smith's Instagram. Hadn't ever really seen him before. So this is one of those interesting coincidences. I'm looking at this dude. I, he looks so fucking familiar right? to me. Joseph like like I've met him, but I don't think I... Maybe I have. I don't fucking know. Do you know. have anything else of note? Um, well, you kind of mentioned the director. Yeah, I've never seen Crank, actually. I have. I've seen, like, the first answer. When I told my friend about this movie, he was like... And I'm like, yeah, he did Crank. And he was like, yeah, I think that's actually, like, a better... Well, almost like a little ahead of its time or he said it was he, that he dug it or not a lot of people like appreciated it for was able to appreciate it for what it was and that it was pretty unique. Yeah, I thought they were fun and re- totally ridiculous. Right. Knowing they're ridiculous. I mean, I think in one of them, he like falls out of a plane and lives. Well, was there anything <laughs> about that director? No, that I was... just think it's sort of interesting and like makes sense that that's the guy that directed this. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. all. Um, I didn't really have anything. The only else. other Nothing thing I had a little one at the end of the special. Wikipedia. The Wikipedia found this noteworthy, and so did I. Was that uh, one of everyone's favorite directors, John Waters? Whether you like his films or not, you gotta love him. Uh, he named the film one of the best of 2018. It made the fourth best film of the year for him. Hmm. 2018. This is fun. I I appreciate John Waters's opinions. Yeah, he's great. To, uh, listen to speak if anything all right i think one other sort of thing that i I, you know in the era of netflix and what did we watch this on hulu yes yeah i'm just wondering how this movie makes money the box office wasn't big, so I it think was shit. this is one it, of those movies. Did it that, even come out in in theaters? I guess it had to, but it was small, small release. release. I missed it, but I think this is one that hopefully will. I mean, how break does, even in ten years? I guess. Like I, it's. I think it's only going to get an uptick. Hopefully, because of our podcast here, Tim. Yeah. We say rent it. So spend your money. Give your iTunes the four bucks or whatever. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Um. Yeah. Let's get people to make money. Like <laughs> Let's to get make good stuff. More Nick Cage, Selma Blair original films. Like Nick Cage needs more money. Do you think Nick Cage needs money because he keeps buying dinosaurs? Oh, here's another thing of note. So I, <laughs> I think I was reading about this movie. Yeah, right after it, you have to put a million dollars as a holder into his account for him to even read a script. <laughs> Like, you can get the money back or whatever. Oh, my God. But it's just a retainer to say, we are serious oh enough that we... God. No, this this was I was listening to the Mandy behind the scenes, mm, I think, or mm-hmm. reading about Mandy. Oh, which is on Shudder. Yeah. Yeah. I watched the behind the scenes on there and nice. wanting to watch Mandy again. But yeah, that was kind of great. Little 
thing of another Nick Cage thing of note. <laughs> oh my Can god. Can we do our uh yeah, let's next section which does not have him recommend deads some things. Yeah. Um anything handy? Well, I did, but now I don't remember what it was. I so I have spent probably 15 hours of the last like few days. This is so stupid. So you got me letterboxed or you told me about letterboxed. Yeah. This site that's sort of you can use to basically track. Um, I don't know. How do they describe it? Like the purpose of it. It's like you can track what movies you've movie watched and then like rate them. Yeah. And Community, com- social, yeah, blah. All that. Um, so I've I've tasked myself with trying to click on every movie that I've actually seen to Which see how many I've that is. Which when I've asked why, you can't really clearly answer me. <laughs> I think it's because I opened this thing. It's like I opened the fucking box. I can't. You can't I, not I, finish I, Now it I have to fucking keep going. There's 424,000, you know, 118 or whatever it is, <laughs> movies. And I, I... I spent like a day doing it initially and I and then I looked at how many I had I had watched in that first first sit and no. I, w- I was at like a thousand already in and I had only gone through like the you know 1890s <laughs> to the 1970s if only you could remember the dates you watched them too that's all <laughs> I, that's all i'm using it for is no like chance. is like i just started it up a couple weeks I ago i can tell you that i on. watched five um an american tale on my birthday when i was like 10 put that <laughs> we have a nice i mean we keep track of when we watched our episodes for this podcast so you can go back and do it that way Wait, so are you recommending Letterboxd? Yeah. (laughs) You like it? It is cool. Cool. You haven't even gotten to the website yet. You're just... (laughs) I'm still just listing movies. (laughs) Cool. I recommended that to you. Now you're recommending it to large. I um, watched, because he passed away, Larry Cohen, the filmmaker, who made like Cue the Winged Serpent, and one that we have on our list that I'm looking forward to watching, The Stuff. Oh yeah. Um, so there's a documentary on him on Shutter called King Cohen: The Wild World of Filmmaker Larry Cohen. And now I wanted to recommend it, not just well, yeah, no, I mean partially because he's passed away, and you want to you know see what this person was about. The documentary itself wasn't like great. It kind of fell into just kind of like the you know, and then his next movie was formula, um, you know, and had to like hit them all kind of thing. Um, but, you know, he's in it, made when he's live. But why I recommend it, why I loved it so much, was because this guy, Tim, Larry Cohen, he was the king of guerrilla filmmaking hmm. in a way that is astonishing. Like, the stuff that he was doing on the streets of New York. So he took he took Andy Kaufman, dressed him out as a cop, and put him out into a parade <laughs> and, like, had Jesus. him go around and, like, start to shoot people or something like that. And oh it was, like, God. he... For cue the winged serpent, the the men like shooting guns at the top of the building, those were the actual like window wipers that he just like paid or whatever, to, because <laughs> you, otherwise like, hey, 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 it would you be too. it would be too much to right. like hire stuntmen to get them and train them to do that. So he just got the people. So I keep you know I've been looking at Shutter and. I, I yeah I didn't I just don't know anything about this guy I've seen the poster for Q the Winged Serpent a bunch and and just overlooked yeah. it completely no you gotta 
yeah, that's what I recommend. I really recommend add the documentary just for seeing it's it's. He, so King Cohen is yeah. the doc. Yeah. And he represents to not only I mean, the gorilla filmmaking is part of it. That's just so like um, <laughs> I want to say admirable, but really inspiring in an almost way. Sure. That comes from the spirit that he emblemizes, which is the utter run and gun by the seat of your pants <laughs> like he hates you know having the script ahead of time he really like makes it up as he goes kind of thing like oh we don't have the money okay well if we start shooting this scene he's kind of the master of that energy which is like i feel like when i can harness you know even just a bit of that i feel like i'm excelling in a certain regard so mm-hmm. i uh found it very yeah well as i said inspiring in that sense cool <laughs> It looks fucking ridiculous. Yeah, but it's great. great. I'm excited to watch the stuff. Yeah. Oh my god. Which, I know. Hey, I maybe that will be that the next poster. movie. It's my turn up. Where's it, the hat? It might be. You ready? Yeah, I want to pull from it. I put I put it in a new hat. It's the um, make television great again hat that I got from uh, uh, Nicholas Winding Refn. <laughs> Here you go, Tim. Hmm. Hmm. Ah, a Spanish film from 2010, Julia's Eyes, Ooh. a.k.a. Los Ojos de Julia. Okay. sure we saw this on some list. Probably. Blah, blah, blah. Great. Great. Can't wait. I always like those uh, non-English ones. Can't wait. <laughs> so join us next week for Julia's Eyes, Los Ojos de Julia. <laughs> Oh, listening to you barf like a disc jockey is <laughs> true dream Hi. come true. I'm I'm Kasem Cassie. <laughs> um, Julia's eyes. But seriously, folks, you could join folks. us next week. And if you haven't found us at Dismembering Horror, that's where you can find more of us. Sorry, right. dismemberinghorror.com. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is Dismembering Horror. Yeah. Our and... website's dismemberinghorror.com. And on Twitter, I'm trying to be more active on our Twitter, which is di- at DisHorrorPod. And I'm trying to be active on our Instagram, which is at DismemberingHorror. Yeah. Yeah. Check us you, out. If you want to send me a real personal message, you can find me at Tim Aslan. You know what I'm saying? And you can email us at DismemberingHorror <laughs> at oh, gmail.com. Shit, I should look at that email. <laughs> you talked over it. DismemberingHorror <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> Yeah, I have no idea. Have Have you looked at that? Yeah. Oh, Check it like once a week. Oh, okay, good. At least somebody is. <laughs> <laughs> I need to, we should attach it to our accounts. Anyways, cool. that was mom and dad. Next week is Los Ojos de Julia. Mm-hmm. Ven aquí para más dismembering horror. I don't know what that means because <laughs> I don't speak languages. El próximo semana. <laughs> I think that means next week. Yeah. Are, well, one day are we going to have like a sign off? It'll come naturally. Yeah. We don't have one of these days we'll have a sign off. Goodbye everyone. (laughs) Bye.